Hi, and welcome to the Standby Muster. My name is Ray Fletchstrom, and my guest today is Zach, a very good friend of mine that I used to serve with. Zach, how are you doing today? Not too bad, brother, and yourself? Oh, man, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. So, yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Oh, of course, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, so, a little, uh, little brief back history on this uh, podcast. We just, we're giving, uh, giving military people a chance to vent about being in the military about their time in it. Um, that way others, when they listen to this, they can understand, like they can, I'm trying to, trying to find the words for this. Uh, they can understand, they can comprehend and they can, they have more information before they go into the military. Awesome. I love it, man. Um, it's, that's something I wish I had. Seriously. Uh, if I had more information, a lot of things would have been done different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Trust me. A lot of things would have been different on my end, too. <laughs> all right. So, yeah. uh, first question off. Like, um, all right. So, even though we served together, what branch did you serve? I was in the Navy. I was a DC-3 in the Navy. Was it DC? Uh, DC is Damage Control Man. Which uh, basically would break down into civilian terms um, as a firefighter in the Navy. However, I will make sure I inform people it is not actually a firefighter. Uh, you are more so of like a fire marshal. Yeah. Because everybody on the ship is a firefighter. Correct. Yeah, everybody's rate breaks down to basically being a firefighter, as well as uh, I also make sure that I, you know, give my civilian firefighters credit and let them know that, you know, uh, we're not on the same level. <laughs> and a lot, a lot of them have a lot more tactical, fire tactical experience and training. All right. In that regards, we just do the simple stuff, put the wet stuff on the hot stuff. So, um, so trying to get it here now, um, basic training. So, so when you went in, how was it? How, how did it blow your mind? What, what went through your mind? Like when you walked through, when you got off that bus? Ooh. Okay. So, uh, a little backstory as far a little bit before boot. So, uh, <clears throat> I, initially was supposed to go into the Navy uh, like the next week or two weeks after graduating high school. I had enlisted initially, uh, actually gone through, done the ASVAB, went to MEPS, uh, and swore in for the first time with a friend of mine from high school, uh, Nate Pierce. And we kind of went in as the quote-unquote buddy system. Yeah. Although the buddy system actually – Really, actually, isn't a thing. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Sorry, he, sorry. Stop, stop you right there. Stop you right there. The buddy system is not a real thing? The buddy system is not a true thing. No. So, for instance, he and I had completely different rates. Uh, basically, we were going to ship out to boot camp the same time. Uh, however, there was no set in stone. You're going to be even in the same boot camp unit. Uh, we weren't guaranteed anything besides the fact that, hey, you could ship out on the same 
fucking day. That's it. So don't believe that hype. Uh, for those of you thinking about going in and who might not really know some things, uh, don't fall for the buddy system. It's basically just a ploy to get more than one person to sign at the same time and leave on the same day. So what had happened is uh, I had a buddy that initially was thinking about going and another one of our buddies had joined the Navy. He had kind of pulled me along to go to all the recruiting stations, uh, Marines, Army, Air Force. We landed at Navy. Uh, the Navy recruiter came in and started talking to us. We were at, in our school's uh, counseling office. And he kind of broke a little rule. He started telling a few more things than he's supposed to. Uh-oh. And that's when I learned about soapies. 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 So he told me, you know, you can go to places like Thailand. Oh, my God. Walking you mean soapies. To... Oh, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, no. Go on. Go on. What, what, what's, a <laughs> what's, what's a soapie there, Zach? So a soapie is where you go to another country, uh, mainly found in Thailand, and you get to walk in. It's a basic brothel. You walk in, there's a bunch of beautiful women, and you can pick which ones you want and how many you want. And these women take you to a room, and in said room is a bathtub. And these women give you a nice bath. And it's all nice and clean, normally using just their body, and they even clean the pipes for you. So let me get this straight. You. I mean, so... Oh my goodness, how do, how do I even get this across? Like, so, your recruiter said not do it for your country and you know, make your family proud. And that's not what got to you. What got to you was... That's not what got me. Naked ladies rubbing you down with their hoo-hahs and the sisters... All over your body, giving you a bath. Amen. Amen. Absolutely, <laughs> my friend. I heard that and was like, "Oh, oh, Son, okay." Right the fuck up. Let's go now. I today. was. Dude, I was. I was in. So while I'm on that high, uh, you know, the dude's a genius. He's like, "Ah, got him. Hooked him in." Let me reeling him while he's slacking a bit and uh, instantly sent us down to MEPS. The night before MEPS, I had to uh, study with another buddy of mine because uh, on the practice, I was getting like a 28 or something. And at that time, 32 was the minimum any branch would take. So I was like, we're going to send you down and uh, we're you're going down with a couple of friends of yours. Uh, have them teach you some, you know, some fractions and some mass shit. Hopefully get your scores up. <laughs> some <laughs> match, like, math shit. Get, put them, put them rulers together. Come on. Yeah. Put them numbers in and shit. <laughs> so, uh, we go down and study a bit before, uh, before. And then, you know, on the, on the real test of, 
one of the bigger things that's not in the actual practice test is mechanics. And that saved me. I ended up scoring. And somehow, I seriously have no clue. Uh, there was a glitch in the system or something. I ended up scoring like over a 65. There was a glitch in the system. Totally. There was something. Something happened. Uh, that or, you know, the uh, IQ fairy came down and raped me in the middle of the night and actually gave me some. Not sure what happened, man, but I... <laughs> yeah, that makes total <laughs> sense. I mean, you know, it's the only logical thing I can think of. The soapy fairy came down and blessed you with the IQ knowledge uh-huh. you needed to pass that ASFAB score. That's exactly right, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I score well. Uh, I go to, I get to the point where you sit down in front of an individual and, and they hand you these cards, right? They're all just job description cards. Okay, what would you want to do? These are the jobs you qualify for. And I'm looking at these jobs. They're like MMs. So basically mechanic and engineer-based jobs and rates. They're all on submarines. Oh, no. And I look at the dude, and I'm like, mm, nah, bro. <laughs> Not happening. I'm, I'm 6'2", 215 pounds. You want to put me in a steel container and sink me miles, miles below the surface. Now I'm good. Yeah, no. He keeps at it, keeps at it. He hits me with the, you know, you get extra pay. You know, this sub specifically is the kind of sub that I was on. And you're not underwater that long. You know, you're not under there for months. It's just a week or two. And then you surface and you get a bunch of ports. Yeah, that's bullshit. Total bullshit. Uh, but I signed. I signed. I was young. I was dumb. Uh, I'd been up for you know, all day long. For those of you who have been to MEPS already, you know, you, you go, you start your morning at 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, usually you around 5. You don't get to sleep at all, all day long. And usually that process, the actually picking your job process, comes at the end. And I was just drained. I wasn't much of a thinker back then anyways. Uh, and it was kind of pushing it. And I guess I also didn't realize that I could say, no, I'm not going to pick anything right now then. I'm going to sit and I'm going to wait for something else to open. Yeah, because it is kind I'm of... I'm going to go home and do my research. Yeah, it, it is kind of intimidating sitting in a room filled with a bunch of people that you were told, like the like these people are higher rank than you. You will show them respect. Mm-hmm. You will listen to everything they said. Everything Absolutely. that they say yeah. is God's word. Totally, totally, absolutely. And so for me, I was like, uh, okay, if this is what because I wanted to be an MP, and I realized I learned that the MP in the Navy is an MA. Yeah, and he told me that I didn't qualify for that. Which I was a little confused about, but, you know, so at the end of it, I end up picking uh, to be an MM on the sub, uh, leaving two weeks after graduating high school. And when I left, I, I was 17 at this time when I was in there. So I graduated at 17. It's a few months from graduating. I go back home. 
uh, sort of the debt program, you know, delayed entry program, which is once a week you go in and, you know, they try to get you to learn certain things and kind of help bridge the gap uh, as far as to what should you expect going into the boot camp. Right. And at this point, I really start thinking. And I'm like, man, I didn't really know what to expect. All I had heard at this point in my life was the very typical, a lot of people here, a lot of kids, you know, hear this nowadays. Don't pick a job. But don't go into anything that you can't turn into a job in a civilian world. You're right. right? My father was in Nam. Uh, he... Uh, was a special operations guy uh, and was in both Army and the Air Force. Um, all I heard growing up, you know, my whole life is don't go do that. Don't go to the Army. Don't go to the Marines. They're going to treat you bad. They Don't go be a trigger guy. You know, do something that's going to set you up for a real job on the outside. Blah, 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 blah. So in my head, that's what I was thinking, right? Not going to go to the Army. I go to the Marines, Air Force or Navy. I went to the Air Force. They were man, ended up going Navy. Uh, I'm sitting there though now, right? Right. Man, I'm, I'm on a sub. I'm gonna leave two weeks after graduating high school. And for those that don't know me, I, I was a huge partier in high school. I barely graduated high school actually. Uh, I actually technically didn't graduate high school on time. Uh, I didn't even get to walk with my class. I go to summer school after senior year and then get mailed my diploma. I had to sit up in the stands and watch my whole class graduate. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, that must that must have sucked. So, it was horrible, man. It was uh, – you want to talk about real humiliation. It was it was, it was the only one. Only one. So I didn't go to a big high school. Uh, I graduated with 97 kids. And 96 kids walked. Uh, there was four other kids that technically weren't supposed to walk, but they were females and somehow managed to walk anyways. I was the only one that wasn't allowed to walk. Hmm. Um, so very small farm town. Everybody knows everybody. So everybody's family knows me seeing me sit in stands. Right. So I'm actually at the point, this is, this was before graduation. Even I was at a point. I'm not. I'm not going. I'm, I'm not going to go be an MM on a sub. Fuck that. Yeah. It's just not happening. You know. And I was lucky enough that I did talk to a few individuals who had gone to the army years before and said, you know, just because you swore in at maps doesn't mean you're fully sworn in. You have until you get on that plane to say, no, I'm good. I don't want to go. And uh, I took that route. I called the recruiter. And I said, yeah, man, uh, I'm not going. I'm out. Really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So he says, okay. Comes over to my house, you know, tries to talk with me and my dad and my family, tries to get them to help me stay in. Said, nope, no, fuck you, I'm out, not doing it, not going south. So I did it. Graduate high school, 
So everybody else graduates high school. I go to summer school, get my diploma. And then I moved down in the city and start getting some jobs. Well, in that time, the Great Recession had hit. And when the Great Recession hit, I was making good money. I was working in a shop. I was knocking down some pretty good money, man. Almost a grand a week, consistent. And 18 years old at this point, you know, couch surfing. Uh, and when I say couch surfing, I mean, I was, I was homeless. Okay. <laughs> I, I was uh, lucky enough to have a couple friends and a sister that would be able to crash on a couch here and there. Um, but two or three nights out of the week, I was sleeping out of my vehicle. Winter time came around in Colorado. It was pretty fucking cold. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had been now in contact with Nate Pierce, the guy I was supposed to leave to boot camp with, who is now out of boot camp and, and A school. And he's telling me how great it is. How the money he's making and boot camp was super easy and blah, 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 blah. And I shit you not, man, I break down. Freezing my ass off. I'm sitting in a parking lot uh, in Littleton, Colorado, in Southwest Plaza Mall. And I just break down crying, man. Just, I lost my job. No money coming in. No clue what I was doing. Um, And no direction. No direction whatsoever. And, uh, the point. I knew I had my phone. My phone was going to be activated for a few more weeks, uh, like two more weeks. And I hit that phone. I got to make moves. So I called my recruiter. And I'm on the phone, and I, I remember I'm just laughing, man. Just laughing. Yeah. Because like, I knew you'd be back. Oh. Hmm. Well. Yeah, I'm back. Uh, I need to get the fuck out of here now. Uh, that's exactly what I told him. Get the fuck out of here now. He's like, all right. Uh, when can you come up? Like, Give me two days, I'll be up there. Because that was uh, about 50 miles north of where I was at. Yeah. Give me two days. Let me kind of figure a few things out. And uh, I'll be up there. Initially, my plan was to get up there and just ship out right away. So to make a long story short, I get up there. I end up going to MEPS four more times. Uh, I go there to then sit at the hotel, wake up in the morning, sit there all day long, get pulled into the We have nothing. We're blacked out. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm back tomorrow. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry, right, sorry. Well, uh, so you, uh, <laughs> what was it, the uh, four days of MEPS? Yeah, so I went four days, I went to MEPS for four days. Uh, wake up, you know, you go to the hotel, 4 a.m., they wake you up, you go into MEPS, sat there all day long for them to tell me, and I just sat there because all the tests and everything were already done, right? All my medical exams, everything had already been done. I didn't have to do anything over again. Right. So sit there all day long for them to pull me in and say, we're completely blacked out. We don't have any jobs. Are you serious? For you. Yeah. Come back tomorrow. So I go back to the hotel. Go back to the hotel. 
Come back next day, same exact thing. Go back to the hotel, come back next day, same exact thing. So point I tell him, fuck you. You'll call me and you'll tell me when I'm leaving. Um, that was after me asking if they had any job even sweeping, which thank God I didn't get that job. Oh, yeah. No, you don't want to be a desk Shout out to you, the boss's mates in my desk. <laughs> <laughs> you poor, miserable bastards. <laughs> so I left. Uh, called my recruiter. Said, fuck you. I'm out. I'm not doing this. You know, blah, blah. Call me when I'm leaving. Calls me a few days later. He says, congratulations. You're going to be a DC when you leave May 17th. I said, sweet. What's well, a DC? <laughs> <laughs> sweet. What do I do? Yeah. He broke it down for me a little bit. I said, okay, cool. That still sounds fine. I'm getting the fuck out of here. And uh, left May 17th, the boot camp. Now we finally hit your question that you had asked. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I get the maps, and now I get we do the whole, you got to go get to the airport, fly, get to Chicago. You're at Chicago airport. You're waiting for the bus to pick you up. Bus picks you up, and uh, you watch this little cheesy-ass fucking video on the bus. Oh, my God. At this point, I'm, yeah, at this point, I'm already kind of sort of tired. I'm like, eh, over-traveling, kind of been annoying enough, whatever. Um, get off the bus and honestly it's a, it's a real blur getting off the bus I just remember getting off the bus, going through everything you, you got people yelling but at that point in my life that stuff didn't bother me uh, so I'm just kind of like following the crowd and you get your uniform stuff, you get everything and you, you get switched out into your smurfs uh, and then a few hours later, the next thing I really remember was sitting in a, in a school desk chair and, uh, everybody's just trying to stay awake. You know, you, you've gone through your process, you've gotten all your shit, your, you know, military issued shit. You're basically at this point waiting to be put in a, uh, a debt, a unit. A, yeah. Uh, and sitting there, they come in, a couple, uh, red robes come in and they start asking these questions, right? Start asking, you know, who's my athletes? Of course my hand goes up. I look around for a second, see a couple people raise their hand, kind of chuckle, raise my hand. Yeah. Who's my strong guys? Who's my, who's the ones that are going to, who's my PT studs, you know, blah, blah, blah. Here's my hand. They they pick me. They pull me. Okay, you're with us. You know, and they basically it pulled, and they try to create this like really awesome athletic division. And our sister division became the nerds. Uh. So yeah, we get to our barracks. Uh, and at that point, uh, it was all just a super big haze. 
Oh, and yeah. I remember picking a rack. I remember being told, like, you know, brush your teeth and shit. And shave and, with, like, yeah. 26 other guys using the same sink. Right, yeah, yeah. And it was just kind of just this huge blur, man. And, oh, so I forget to mention. Well, mention so, it now. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so you're supposed to bring, if you wear contacts, you're supposed to bring, bring eyeglasses, right? Well, I didn't have eyeglasses and I wore contacts. So instead of me just keeping my contacts in until I can get glasses, my really genius ass who is damn near legally blind without corrective vision, uh, took my fucking contacts out. No. So while all of that is happening, I am blind as fuck balls, man. Like fucking blind, blind. I tell you, dude, I can barely see two to three feet in front of me. Uh, everything else is just a giant fucking mix of blur blobs. In my head, I think at the time I thought, if I take them out now, they'll have to get me passes like now. Not the case. Nope. So I go through the first three days of boot camp. Blind as fuck balls. Just literally following blobs. <laughs> and I'm concentrating so hard on not running into shit and not look like a fucking retard. That I'm barely even listening to anything because I'm just trying to focus on where the fuck I'm going, who I'm supposed to be following, what I'm supposed to be doing, not miss the fucking pisser when I'm peeing, <laughs> um, trying to push it into my fucking locker or in my fucking bunk, right? It was a fucking horrible mess for three days, bro. Oh three my God. fucking days. I think it was actually like four days. I don't even know, man. It just became this. So when I say it's a blur, it's, it was legitimately a yeah. fucking blur. Yeah, it, it took a while for them to finally issue us BCGs because I had to wear them too. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so I did get mine a little bit sooner than everybody else. I wonder uh, why. Yeah, well, it hit a point. So we were at uh, the moment of truth. They bring you into a fucking room and I sit you down. There's no windows. There's no AC. You sit in these tiny bullshit school desks and they say, you know, uh, we are not leaving this room until X percent of you like stand up and admit that you've done like this. Or no, no, no. Take that back. It started out nicer. It started out with like, hey, this is your moment of truth. And this is where we're going to allow you to say whatever you want. If you smoked by, if you lied about anything and you, know, you smoked, you have a record, you have whatever ball, ball, anything you lied about to get here to this point, this is your moment to come forth with us and tell us, which is a huge ploy just to get people out and to lead out the week. Really? Blind as footballs. Yeah. Yeah. So if it gets to that point, don't say fucking dick balls. <laughs> If they don't know at this point, they're not going to find out. Oh, it's funny, though, because um, 
before I went in, I wanted to be like <laughs> a clean slate. I was like, I'm, I want to be a new person. So I told like my recruiter, <laughs> I told my recruiter, I was like, yeah, I smoked weed. And he's like, are you sure you want to put that on there? I was like, yeah, I smoked weed. And he's like, okay, I need you to pee in this cup right now. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm trying to think too. I was like, fuck, when was the last time I smoked weed? Right. Right. But I passed. Yeah, no, I, I made it in. I lied pretty good. Uh, I remember there was one point, it was with asthma. I had severe asthma as a kid. He was like, hey, how about you answer this like you're actually trying to get in? So kids lie about everything. <laughs> lie, 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 lie. They will never find out, and you will be fine. I promise you, you will survive. At least with him. Uh, and so, so, so anyways, wait, so, you, so they, they came to you and they said, stand up if you have done this and you didn't document it. Right. And so I'm just sitting there. I'm like, oh, no, but I can't see shit. So I'm just sitting there, sitting there, sitting there. And finally, I don't. And, and like I said, this whole thing, this whole four days is like a blur. Man. But at some point, I think I did say something like when we we're leaving this or something like I can't see shit. And uh, <laughs> the red robe that I was like. Yeah, I've actually seen you run into a few things. I was waiting for you to fucking say something. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, it's serious? Yeah, they're just like, yeah, I've seen you, like, you know, fuck up a lot. I'm just waiting for you to yeah. say it. Oh, dude, yeah. Like, imagine watching a, like, three-quarter-wide retard. Yeah. 6'2", <laughs> 215 pounds, blind man. Try to bounce his way down the hall. Like, it's horrible, man. And I was on the top. So they're like, yeah, you're going to medical. And you're going to get some eyeglasses. I was like, fucking awesome. Sweet. So I spend all day, miss fucking lunch. But at that point, I didn't care. At this point in my life, seeing was the most important thing. Like, seeing was legitimately God's gift to me at this point. And uh, so I finally get them. I get glasses. Awesome. They're super thick. Fuck. Whatever. Like, awesome. Now I can finally go through boot camp, right? And and learn what I'm supposed to learn and, like, listen to things and whatever. And that point uh, would commence probably one of the biggest letdowns of my life. A what? Boot camp. Oh, it was it was just a letdown, man. Um, Navy boot camp was just just a fucking joke to me, and and I don't mean this to sound like oh you know, look at me I'm you know a macho or a badass or anything at all. Uh, I was actually slightly terrified. Uh, maybe not terrified, but I, I was pretty nervous going into boot camp. I didn't know what to expect. But I thought for sure it would be pretty strenuous. And it just didn't really meet my expectations in a lot of ways. It wouldn't PT as much, and that's hard. Um, I was a guy that would get uh, beaten disciplined because I couldn't spell for shit or I'd do something wrong. 
And I just be like, okay, cool. Yep. What are we doing? Because I would just, I would crush it. It actually got to a point that um, probably about halfway through boot camp, our female instructor had caught on that being my bunk mate. Uh, we're kind of PT studs, uh, as I would call it. And there was really nothing that they could do to, like, break us. And this was, like, right before the whole issue of, like, over PTing and stress card stuff. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, the stress cards. Yeah. Yeah, so we didn't have that. So they could still – there were certain things. Like, they had they had cards where, like, there are certain things they still could actually do. But there was plenty of ways around it. And right. uh, I remember one day being PT'd for, like, two hours. And that one actually was because one of the other guys in our sister div uh, had broken mirror. Nobody wanted to fess up to it. And I was like, that was me. Uh-oh. And they're like, what? I was like, yeah, it was me. So uh, they beat the shit out of me. And, uh, or they, you know, they PT'd me pretty good. Wait, 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 wait. Was it actually you, though? No. <laughs> no. It was not me. It was not me, but we, it, it was one of those things where you stand there and they ask, who did this? Come forth. Who did this? If you know who did this, come forth. And we're standing there for like fucking, I don't know. It felt like three hours. It was probably 15 minutes because I'm just on patient as fuck. And was just like, yeah, it was me. And they asked, well, why'd you do it? I said, well, I'm 6'2 and I'm blind as fuck. <laughs> So, so I walked across the hallway into the sister dev and just slammed my head into the fucking mirror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And we were over there for uh, training or something that day. It's like, that was me. So they beat the shit out of me and uh, they finally caught on at some point. Like, okay, physical activity, the physical shit we've got for this guy is cut it. Uh, that's just making me like make my fucking bed. I had to remake and unmake my rack every time I fucked up. That got old really fucking quick, brother. <laughs> so I stopped, of, I stopped claiming shit after that. <laughs> so instead of being like, oh, he's not, he's he's great at physical stuff. So what what else can we hit him with? Mental? Mental. That's the way. Mental it is. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh uh I actually so for those of you that don't know, uh when you're in boot camp you normally get assigned a job. So you have your people who are like your laundry guys, you have your people who are responsible for cleaning the head every morning. You have people who are responsible for um, like setting watch schedules, all that stuff. Everybody's got like a, a specific little job, whether it's cleaning something or, you know, getting people where they're supposed to be or, or some shit. Well, the one thing I did take in for the military with me that I stuck to was never volunteering for shit. Well, except for the military. 
Hey, uh, what's the Navy stand for? <laughs> Never again volunteer yourself. Okay, yeah, that was it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah you're welcome. Yeah, so I, I, I did that. I did not volunteer myself ever again. And uh, I still have an me, issue with that, by the way. I volunteer myself for like a lot of stuff, and then I like kick myself in I. the I kick myself in the butt every time. I'm like, no, stop it. Yeah, I mean. It, there's a balance to it. You have to figure out kind of your own little algorithm per se. Yeah. And then go from there. But so me and one other guy, uh, this big motherfucker, bigger than I was, man, big ass dude from New Jersey. Uh, I called him Big C. Uh, his name was Zipola. Zipola. We were tasked to be the which this is kind of ironic now that where I sit in my life, but we were tasked to be the bodyguards of the bathroom. So our job was to be the guys that stood there, and while the other guys cleaned the head, we made sure nobody went in and pissed on the other side after it was already clean because we had a Guards, man, that would go, and they're like, "Oh, I all of a sudden have to pee and can't wait, and I'm gonna go pee." And then the inspector should walk in there and be fucking yellow pee because he's also said retards can't flush toilets, and we would all fail inspection. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's there's all sorts out there, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so that was my job in the in the in boot camp, and. It was pretty chill. Pretty, I mean, that was literally the extent of it. The the first three, four days of boot camp were the hardest because I was blind as fuck. <laughs> so the only reason that boot camp was hard for you was because you were blind as fuck. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Once I could see, everything was fine. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, let's, um, let's move on from uh, boot camp. Um, so, I mean, like... Secrets out. So, we deployed together. Yes, yes, we did. We went to Japan. Together. Yes, yes, we did. We went out to the Seventh Fleet. Um, it sucked. Yeah, it was no, horrible. It, it was. It was not fun. It wasn't fun at all. Yeah, and, uh, it sucked pretty bad for me too because. Right before we had left, I uh, I was able to get on the BBSS team, and that was super cool. That was fucking awesome. Uh, real quick, uh, real quick though, uh, VBSS. VBSS stands for Visit Board Search and Seizure. Okay, what do you which do? is a team that's responsible for uh, anti piracy and drug operations slash humanitarian work. Um, so you're the fucking badasses well. on the ship. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Yeah, we were uh, a tier two unit that, you know, was uh, on the ship because they created uh, the VBSS teams uh, because basically the big badasses, uh, the SEALs, decided they had better stuff to do (laughs) and to be bothered with those kind of things. And your SWIT guys were, you know... Normally, other locations and regions, so they needed uh, to develop teams to be able to 
uh, kind of do these humanitarian missions and also check boats out and stuff uh, at the last minute or whatever. So uh, it's one of the things that is considered, at least the time I was going in, it was one of those things that they said, you know, this is still considered the Navy's best kept secret because not too many people knew about it and know what they do. Um, as well as doing that stuff, you're also uh, basically like a SWAT team on the ship, over the ship. So if there's any issues on the ship specifically, whether another one of your shipmates goes rogue and, you know, tries to stab everybody or go crazy or whatever, you're the uh, reaction team for that. Or when you're pulled into port, uh, you're the team that would um, handle any uh, threats that came about. So I was super excited. Uh, Not initially. It actually took me getting pulled into the captain's stateroom and being told that I was going to go because myself and another guy that Ray knows very well, uh, Gonzo, kept trying to dodge going and being on the VBSS team because you had to get your second class swim quad. And neither of us were great swimmers. And somehow I managed to be the one that got pulled in because enough of the higher-ups liked me and the chief that ran the VPSS team, uh, I guess apparently went straight to the captain at one point and said, this is the guy I want. His his chief is cool with it. And uh, he's going to come to the team. And we need you to make sure that he does so the captain pulled me in and said, hey, fuckwad, you're going. We're actually pulling out for a couple of weeks. You're staying behind. You're going to swim school. Is there any problems with that? And of course, I responded, uh, nope. Uh, we'll see you in a few weeks, sir. And so they did. You guys left. I went and somehow miraculously learned how to swim and passed my second class swim call. And it was on the USS team. We go to deploy. I then get hit with cranking duty. Oh. Uh, yes, cranking duty. You want to go ahead and explain that one to the little students so, at home? So cranking duty is uh, what would also be called uh, KP for other branches uh, in the military. Means you are the kitchen slash like chefs, if that's what we're calling them, the cooks, bitches. Uh, so in the Navy, on a ship, when you're in cranking duty, you do one of a few jobs. You either help the cooks serve the food, uh, and you stand there like the, you know, school lunch lady and serve up the slop. Or you make sure that the beverage line and the coffee is made and is all clean and all that and clean up tables like a busboy. Or you're the dishwasher and you're in the scuttle or the deep sink, which if you're on this point and you will, because everybody's supposed to do some sort of time, not as much time as I did, but you're supposed to do some sort of time. Uh, definitely hit the deep sink or the scuttle. Hit the deep sink. Yeah, you see is the fucking spot. Or if you hit that dragon, it's good. You can fuck off. 
you normally, you know, don't have to be all super shave and on point because you can get dirty as shit anyway and nobody sees you. But, so at this point, uh, engineering was up for sending somebody to cranking. And uh, apparently there were too many other other divisions that decided they didn't yeah. deserve or they didn't need to send anybody because they needed their guys to help keep the ship running while we were underway. It came to our div, and I, even though I was a third class and not supposed to be in cranking duty, uh, they kind of found out, hey, this guy's never done cranking duty before. Let's go ahead, which actually we tried to get away with because I covered for you for a little bit there when you were cranking and you went on leave or something. Or did you go to a school or something? No, no, no. So um, when you covered for me, uh, (laughs) my ex-wife was actually giving birth to my son. That's right. It was a pain in the butt (laughs) to get because... Uh, I forget who it was, but they were just like, they were throwing a wrench in the system just trying not to give me my uh, leave to go watch the birth yeah. of my child. And the, uh, what was it, like 10 days of parent leave? Right, right. Uh, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, like, you covered for me. and Yeah, so I, I covered for you and... Our division had tried to kind of sweep that under as like, hey, yeah, he did his time. See, there's paperwork in, and when he had to like go through everything, then by ended up getting uh, put on cranking duty like weeks before we deploy, and uh, kind of sort of worked out for me in some ways, uh, but also kind of sucked because I ended up spending all of deployment. Uh, as a cranker, I was, I was a fucking career lifer, fucking cranker. Wait, wait, wait. And, uh, you spent the nine months cranking? Yeah. No, you, no way you did. No way you Motherfucker, did. Motherfucker, I did, remember? Because no way. We, we were having issues because then Chief and Aribe and I were like, what the fuck's going on? We need a replacement. But nobody in our entire chain of command had gotten a replacement. So therefore, because that's when uh, when height and uh, what was the other DC man that came in? Uh, oh, uh, was it Andrade? Andrade, yeah. yeah. Height and Andrade came in, and that's why they instantly, instantly went to cranking because I had been there for fucking ever. I had been there so long that I actually kind of gained a little bit of respect. Uh, I gained a lot of respect from quite a few higher ups, but as far as the kitchen crew in their division and the S division, uh, I got away with a lot of shit because I didn't do anything. It got to a point after a few months of being on deployment and still being there and not doing my fucking job, but still having to train everybody. Uh, I, uh, I kind of just, up. I didn't give a fuck about anything and I would show up and do my job and then I would just sleep on the mess decks. I would just fuck off. Uh, I would disappear. I'd go hang out with the topsiders or I would go get lost in the engineering spaces 
and like be sitting in fucking app steering or be sitting in, you know, the engine room chilling with Christy, you know, like just doing my own fucking thing. Cause I didn't care. I could run that whole thing and I did my job fine, but I had been left. You see, cause I, I always saw you because we had flight quarters from like zero mm-hmm. six to zero two in the morning. Right. Right. Yeah. So and I, then I would have to turn around at zero four and, and go down to the mess decks. See, I always saw you there on the flight deck. So I, I do, I totally forgot. I was a whole technician while I was there on the flight deck because that's all we did. From yeah. zero six to zero two, we were on the flight deck. Yeah, totally, totally, just fucking chilling, and that was great, man. I mean, it was fun. It it was one of those things that, and even cranking, cranking was fun. It was it was awesome. Um, the problem that fell with it is I didn't really get to do any of the stuff that I had come in and trained for. You know. Yeah. Um, which was, it was a catch 22 because I didn't have to deal with the bullshit DC stuff and the bullshit engineering stuff. Um, but at the same time, after so long of being the cook's bitch, you know, you're kind of like, I'm over washing fucking dishes. This isn't what I fucking came in for. Like suck my dick. This is just ridiculous. This is horrible. And, you know, fuck you guys. And nobody at that point was really looking out for me because nobody was getting me out of there. And so I just said, fuck it. And uh, I got super salty at that point. And we're on deployment. And then, you know, we're in Japan. And uh, I went out, got drunk, did my thing. Uh, then got put on restriction, got put on liberty restriction because I actually tried to take care of one of the subordinates. And I actually saved the ship from a uh, incident and having our ship thrown on blows. So at the time we were in Japan, it was uh, it was a really interesting point. Uh, like. A, month or so before we had pulled in there, uh, a couple of Marines had killed a taxi driver or some shit. Yeah. And uh, another Navy girl had gotten raped a little bit before that or some shit. So Liberty was really, really strict out there. And they weren't fucking around. Uh, there was a Cinderella Liberty, so you had to be home on your 12. ship by like 12. And... They didn't take, like, you couldn't be drunk in public. They didn't take that stuff too, too funny. It didn't be very serious. And I was coming back one night close to Liberty Call. Uh, at that time, we'd been there long enough that we had figured out, okay, we can leave the bar at 11.35 and still make it all the way up to the base and across the base and across the quarter deck by midnight. And so we started leaving and we're walking. There was a group of uh, guys that was on our ship ahead of us. They were uh, GMs. And they had this one fucking GM. He was a new guy. 
younger guy was a apparently state badass wrestler in high school. Uh, was drunk and being an idiot. Barely even got on base. He should be an idiot. Telling you to shame up. Like, hey, dude, like, you need to chill your shit. He had like what? It was almost like a mile. And from uh, oh yeah, the, the, walking from the front the gate, gate to our ship. Yeah, it was. I mean, we were back. We were all the way in the back of the base. And not only that, but we were there during the winter time, so it was like yeah. negative fourteen with the wind chill. Yeah, it got it got fucking cold, and this. This fucking guy, you know, I keep telling him, like, hey, man, keep walking. And he's wanting to keep hit, like, pissing in the street and shit and just stupid shit. Oh. But look, man, like, we're not in high school anymore, you know. You need to get your shit together and get to the boat. And uh, he finally hit a point. He was kind of over listening to me. And he decided he wanted to take his shirt off and stand in front of the road and challenge me. And uh, mind you, this guy was like, Five six, maybe 150 on a good day. I'm not yeah. saying that he couldn't fight or brawl or anything, but that alcohol he was though, just super intoxicated. And I'm like, all right, bud, like you go, you're, you don't understand what you're going against. How no, keep walking. And he makes a little scene at that point. Uh, the base police pull up, and the base base police out there were. Notorious for just fucking people's world up, and they jump out. I tell the other guys to grab this kid and just keep walking. And uh, I stop. Basically, like, hey, what's going on? It's none of your fucking business. Which, you know, I mean, I've been drinking too, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> I was crying. Mm-hmm. I didn't give fucks anymore. I didn't give a fuck, man. I, I joined to fucking fight for freedom and get soapies. And at this point in my life, I had neither of them. <laughs> I was a little frustrated. So they're kind of like, well, what, what? And I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. As long as you don't see us and hear any issue from here on, who the fuck cares? You don't want the paperwork. Just move on. We got in the car and they left. And after that, they uh, they kind of got word about that. The ship got word about that and decided they want to put me on liberty risk. And that let me go out. And uh, that's just kind of how it was, man. That was my deployment. That was that was it. And it sucked. It was horrible. I got back from deployment. Uh, my wife at the time uh, had gotten a Jody. And me being back, she did not want to give that guy up still. Um, she's also a little, little big, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Ray knows very well, actually. Ray is the one that drove the Mustang to the mental institute after she was put in it. Yep, that was a fun day. Yeah, that's interesting times. I got to drive a Mustang, um, so I was kind of happy about that. <laughs> so um yeah that so i got back we got back from deployment uh, i had had some issues with my shoulders 
for quite a bit of time at this point. Finally, was able to get out MRIs. Discovered I had over 10 tears in each shoulder, mm. both to and to labrum and rotator cuff. Uh, the ship's doctor finally realized, oh, you're not kidding. You're actually a little hurt. Uh, that's kind of a big deal. We should, you should probably get surgery on that. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so at that point, then put me up for, uh, for going and getting off the ship and getting surgery. So I left the ship with a short command. Um, and soon after that got out. And like, no. how was, um, getting out? How was, how has being outside of the military affected you now? Uh, man. So getting out of the military was, was quite a, uh, a roller coaster, and to be honest, I can almost say that getting out of the military started my life. Uh, I say that in the sense of just when I look back at the military time service and where I was, it was a whole other lifetime ago, man. So many things have changed; they're different. Uh, I remember getting out. And uh, I got out. I was living in Southern California. I uh, just started dating this girl and wasn't really sure what I was going to do. Um, but at the same time, uh, I was at a point where I had gone through divorce. I had gone through the, well, shit, I was one of those guys, very stereotypical military, get married while on deployment, you know, wife takes up with another man come back and have that shit and kind of went through that emotional roller coaster, I guess you could say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, was at a point where like, I was over it. I was in a good spot with it. I met an amazing woman, uh, a better woman in every sense of the word. And, uh, initially I was going to move back to Colorado and it was like, Oh no, I want to stay here. This is California, uh, all my friends and everything. So I stayed. I stayed in California. Wasn't sure what I was going to do, but didn't care. Uh, knew that I had the GI Bill. I was like, hey, let's just go to school, do the school thing, get my GI Bill, and live it up in San Diego, do the college thing. Uh, about a semester and a half in, I realized why I didn't go to college in the first place. <laughs> it was that. Because you still have to be smart and uh, <laughs> do the work <laughs> and show up. Um, I had uh, – it, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't super, super bad. Or I should say I wasn't super bad. Um, but I just kind of realized that, yeah, school isn't for me. Like sitting in a classroom in these boring classes just isn't for me. I couldn't keep my attention long enough. Uh, I, I wasn't interested enough to actually really do the work, which I thought I would be because I was much more mature. I cared about learning things, but the subjects I was taking and having to take for like the gen ed stuff, it just still wasn't working. And being in a community college with a bunch of like fresh out of high school kids, uh, when I'm 
20 something years old already. It just wasn't working, man. Yeah. Uh, I had hit a point where I thought I was going to go and be a dietitian uh, and do like the personal trainer stuff. I've always been pretty you know, physically fit, I'd say. And uh, <laughs> my dietitian class I took was just horrible. I didn't learn anything about sports medicine. I kept asking a teacher, hey, can we learn more about sports medicine? I get that this other stuff is important, but I won't know this, and we never did. And it threw me off, and I actually failed that class. I didn't care. I just like, oh, this is horrible. This is terrible. So at that point in time, uh, my brother, uh, one of my brothers, was a firefighter. He had we graduated the same year high school, and uh, he went and started Fire Academy like, the day after we graduated high school. So he was a firefighter, and I was like, man, maybe maybe that's what we know to the fire thing. So I went and got my EMT. EMT basic. I liked it. I thought it was cool, but also at a point where I was like, I don't know if this is for me. I don't, I don't really know if this is really as exciting. And uh, at that point in time, I had a buddy of mine, uh, and he worked with a company uh, used to be be known as Blackwater. Okay. He was like, hey, man, there's this company, this spinoff of this company I used to work for, called Set4. Do these really cool things, uh, do high threat protection bodyguard you know security contracting stuff i think you would dig it i think it'd be right up your alley why don't you look into it and uh my brother made a brother at one point at this point in time he was already and he's a air force eod he was like hey man you should look into some of this stuff and and the like hard security uh, who is a European-based company? I was like, okay, I just feel like there's something there, right? Right. Like, All right, so look into the sec four. They got an academy. Hmm. SGI bill approved. Like, hmm. This could be interesting. At this point, I have pretty much decided that. I don't give two bucks about my GI bill, really. I don't care about fleshing out or anything else. So maybe I'll use it for this. So I applied and I got in. And like the next week after finishing my EMT course, I went to their academy and went through the whole thing, man, and started doing stuff. And they specialize in like high threat protection stuff. Um, bodyguard stuff and contracts, you know, in South America and all over, man. Oh, it was man. fucking awesome. That it sounds, was amazing. That sounds like the dream, right there. It it was, man. It was one of those things that almost within day one, I was just like, I found my home, and uh, it just it sucked me in, man, and. Been doing it ever since. Uh, with a few different companies since then. Uh, contact, I'm actually out on a detail right now, sitting in a hotel room right now, as I speak to you. And uh, it's great. 
it's provided me with a lot of a lot more experience and stuff that I kind of wish I would have gotten from the military in a lot of ways. However, at the same time, I will advise that uh, it, it also ruined my life. What do you mean? And, uh, it, uh, it ruined a relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that woman that I met, uh, it kind of took a huge toll. Constantly uh, being gone, uh, a few other things came into play. I think we grew apart, but being apart for so long uh, didn't help, obviously. Yeah. And there were a lot of things that I neglected on my own side as far as like just kind of my mental development and my uh, I'll say issues for lack of better words because uh, I don't want anybody to think that I'm claiming anything. I'm not I'm not a, you know, I'm not super, super fucked up or anything or whatever. And there are there are people and individuals who've gotten in the military who are way, way, way worse shape than me. Hey, we all uh, we all come out with different scars and different right things exactly. that affect us. For sure, for sure. And you know that was that was what I neglected. You know that just because. There were people who had it worse than me. Didn't mean that I didn't have my own things and my own issues, right? And uh, so, I actually have my younger brother, who is now a year out from his contract, asking me whether or not he should get out and what my advice would be to him and everything. And for those of you who are maybe are in and don't know what to expect in the, in the next chapter in your life. Um, I would just advise that you focus very much so on yourself as well as if not equally uh, with the others around you, even if you don't have a significant other, if you're not married or, a serious, you know, boyfriend or girlfriend. Uh, just, just pay attention to life and be legitimately open-minded in the sense of uh, uh, things you wouldn't ever really be open to. Uh, so Ray and I were talking a little bit before we were talking about, I was telling you that you know, I've kind of switched a pretty good little leaf and I've turned pretty holistic yeah. in my ways and uh, just kind of recognizing that there are things that you come out of the military and I would challenge anybody to show me one person who doesn't come out of the military somewhat fucked up in some way it doesn't matter what your MOS is, what your rate is. Everybody, like you just say, yeah, everybody's got their scars, man. Everybody has something. And everybody deals with it differently. And I am so glad that you found your way to deal with the things that you were going through. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. It, it was, it's something that I am very, very glad I did as well. I wish that I could have way sooner. Uh, hell, maybe even while I was in, maybe I would have been able to stay in and, and figure other things out. Um, regardless, on top of that, it's just about, there's never, I, I hate when people think, like, oh, if you get in, you either have to stay in or you get out, and one is the right answer and one's the wrong answer. You have to figure that out. That's not true. If you stay in, you can stay successful. There are a lot of people who think, like, oh, if you stay in, you re-up, it's because you have no you know, ambitions outside of the military. That's not true at all. And same goes the other way. You know, if you get out, it doesn't mean that you have to have peaked in the military or you have to have ride that coattail per se. Or like, there are so many opportunities, both in and out, that I think people just need to listen to themselves at the point in time when that decision is, is up. Meaning, like, don't go into it all. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to stay in for life. I have to stay in the life and have to make it work. Because life changes constantly. It does. Life is constantly about just figuring out your own clarity on what you want and what things mean and how to take it all. And uh, once I figured that out and once I started to really see that and focus on that for my own clarity of what I wanted and what I needed and then figuring out, okay, how do I get that? What do I need for that right now? That can change, you know, 24 ways to Sunday. If, if, it, if that's just where you're at in life, as long as you're listening to that and you're constantly trying to do what you think is better for you at that point in time, you can never go wrong. And uh, I think that would be my biggest, biggest thing to just leave out there for which others. Is, which is great. But uh, unfortunately, Zach, I got to cut it short here. Yeah, I want to call it short. I mean, we've been we've been, ta- we've we've been, been talking for a while. Yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. I told you I'm a rambler, man. <laughs> hey, no, it's great though. I fucking I love it. I love you, man. I love you, brother. Hey. I'm so glad that you were able to uh, to put this stuff together, man. I hope you have nothing but the best of luck and success. And dude, I just man, I, I hope we're able to uh, maybe do a part two or, or just you know two more. And I, I'm super super excited to see what the future has for you man dude if i can get a chance to get a part two with you i definitely will definitely man yeah we'll definitely try to set something up in the in the old schedules all right well zach it's been a pleasure absolutely sir yeah you take it easy now you as well brother all right till next time till next time
Hey everyone, just wanted to say thank you for listening to the Standby Muster. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or if you have questions, then please email me at thestandbymuster at gmail.com or you can always get on me on Twitter at standbymuster. If you did enjoy the show, then please subscribe to the channel and also share this podcast with your friends and family. It would really help out in a big way. And that's that's it for this week for the Standby Muster. See you the next one.